0: Good morning, morning. certainly good to see you all here today. I was uh, wanting to tell you how much I appreciate your continued prayers and support of my ministry. I was just thinking this morning, driving in, it was 15 years ago last week that I became the official pastor of Lee Creek. My first Sunday here was Thanksgiving, the Sunday before Thanksgiving in 2007, and I've been gone since about Thanksgiving of last year I think I preached here for Thanksgiving service and uh, I'm thankful for our pastor he's been a wonderful supporter of the work that I do and I, I try to stay out of his way and um, I appreciate him I think he's doing a great job I support him a hundred percent I'm glad to be able to preach to you this morning but I hate that it's on the ca- the occasion of him doing a funeral for his grandfather but I I am thankful that he does have the confidence in me to allow me to preach when he's gone. I've followed some preachers. I wouldn't have let them preach after I arrived. So I appreciate his confidence in me and I pray the Lord will help us this morning as we look at a text in the book of Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6, I want to read two verses and deal with three little phrases and I want to preach to you this morning on this and that this and that. Have you uh, ever heard the phrase this and that? Usually it's used in vagueness isn't it? Well, what, what, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just doing a little this and that. Well I don't really tell you much does it? Have you ever asked grandma what she put in her dressing? Just a little this and that. She doesn't give up her dumpling recipe. It's always a little this and that. And even though she may give you the main ingredients, you can cook it all you want and you just don't really know what this and that is or how much of this or how much of that. And because we don't really understand this and that, we tend to think of vague things or secrecy. But in our text this morning, this and that doesn't speak of vagueness. It speaks of exclusivity. It speaks of a specific person, this person, and that person. And so I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag because you may get drowsy as I preach. That tends to happen. I want you at some point during this ministry to say, Is this me? Is that me? Is this true of me? Is that true of me? Am I this person? Am I that person? I want you to apply what I'm talking about to your own life and examine your life and see if this is indeed true of you also. So if you're in Exodus chapter 6, I'll direct your attention to verses 26 and 27. Verse 26 of Exodus chapter 6 says, These are that Aaron and Moses... To whom the Lord said, bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies. These are they which spake to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are that Moses and Aaron. I was a little concerned in Sunday school that we might preach my sermon in there and I wouldn't get around to doing it today. I'm a bad reader. I've always been a weak reader well let's be honest with you I hate to read I never liked reading in school Um, all these other preacher friends of mine that read books like my pastor he's all the time reading three or four books I struggle to read one book so typically I, I would just say well I'm not a good reader I'm excused from reading then I became a pastor and I had to read and I had to study and I had to prepare and I was convicted that I ought to read the Bible regularly, but I'm such a slow reader. I get tickled at these, these better-than-me pastors that say, well, anybody can read the Bible through in a year. It just takes 15 minutes a day. I can spend 15 minutes trying to read one chapter. it takes take me 10 years to read the Bible through. I have a, I'm not a good reader. My mind wanders. I, they used to set me away from the window in school because I was a daydreamer. So I said, Lord, how am I, who can struggle to read and struggle to keep my mind on track, how am I to consume the Word daily? And God said, well, son, you live in the 21st century, put your earbuds in and listen. All of you who say you're not a good reader, you don't have time to read the Word of God, turn your stupid radio off and put some earbuds in. You can get it on your phone. You can right here just turn your phone on. you got Bible daily that will play in your ear. And so I decided I was going to start walking. And so I would walk and listen to a sermon and listen to the Bible being read. Now my mind still wanders and I still drift off and I still lose my attention. But I'm consuming the Word of God on a daily basis and somebody that's a better reader than me with a better voice than me with, with better skills than I is, is putting it in my head. But I'm taking it in. And so I'm over there walking through the mall because that's where I like to walk. I I walk past the pretzel stand and that smells good. I walk down by the Chinese place and I like that. And then I circle over by the cookie place and then I get my nose full of uh, cologne and whatnot and I get back to the food court and it, it cycles itself out. And as I'm walking around, people watching, listening to the word of God, I hear these be that, these be they, these be that. I thought, what in the world's that all about? So I went home and got my Bible out and I said, why does God, in the inspired word, say, These be that Aaron and Moses, these be they Moses and Aaron, these be that Moses and Aaron? Why does God use these weird words? I began to study this out and I decided I'd preach on this and that. First thing I want us to do is look at verse 26. And see that this and these are that that were individuals of the promise. Look with me again at verse 26. These are that Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt according to their armies. Friend, Aaron is listed first because we have been reading in the book of Exodus the genealogies of the children of Israel. We've been learning who Aaron and Moses came from. We've been learning about the other tribes. And in this genealogy, we've listed a bunch of names. Some of them repeated. Some people have the same name. But what we found here is that we've got a specific Moses and a specific Aaron. Other children were named Moses, other children were named Aaron, but these be that Aaron and Moses. And Aaron is listed first because he's the older brother. But something happened between the birth of Aaron and the birth of Moses that disturbed the way children were reared in Egypt. That happening was Pharaoh saying, you midwives, when the Hebrew women give birth, if they have a son... Kill him at birth. The midwives didn't want to disobey God and they refused to do it. They told Pharaoh, he said, why aren't you killing the boys? Why are the boys still living? They said, all these Hebrew women aren't like Egyptians. They just go out in the woods and come back with a baby. Moses' mom and dad came back with a baby. And they saw that he was a proper child and they hid him in the bulrushes. Aaron, we're not told any of that about, but Moses that we are. So let's look at the life of Moses. Let's talk about his birth. He was born in a time where it was illegal to be born a Hebrew boy and he lived. And he was hid in the the bushes of the Nile River floating in a basket. Now friend, I don't know much about the Nile River, but I know it's full of crocodiles and I know it's got all sorts of other stuff wrong with it. And I know how mosquitoes are down along the river and I can't for the life of me fathom putting my child in a wicker basket and setting him on the banks of a crocodile river and saying, best of luck, we'll come back at dark and feed you. But Moses had a promise upon his life and he lived through that. And he had a blessing upon his life. Here he is, hid out on the banks of the Nile River And the daughter of Pharaoh comes down and falls in love with a baby boy that she found in a basket on the banks of the Nile River. So he's got a blessing. He grows up in Pharaoh's house. He grows up in the king's court. He eats all the good food. But he chooses to identify with the children of Israel. He gets out there and he observes that one of the Egyptian taskmasters is beating one of his fellow Hebrews. He gets that Egyptian taskmaster and kills him. He murders him. Cold blood. Hides him in the sand. Buries him in a shallow grave. Next day, two Hebrews are fighting. He said, guys, guys, our our enemies are are the Egyptians, not each other. One of them said, what are you going to do, Moses? Kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? See, word got out that Moses had killed an Egyptian. And Pharaoh said, you know what, I'll just kill Moses. I don't care where he got adopted from. I don't care what my daughter thinks. I'm not going to have a guy living in my court going around killing my people and getting away with it. Murder's murder. So he was banished. So he had a birth. He had a blessing. He had a banishment. He goes to the backside of the desert in the land of Midian. He ends up back there for 40 years. 40 years wandering around feeding sheep on the backside of the desert, but his banishment is interrupted by a burning bush. Now I want you to think about this. You're 40 years roughly in Egypt. You choose to identify with your own people. Your zeal leads you to kill an Egyptian in cold blood. Word gets out that you do it. You're a fugitive on the run. You go to the backside of the desert. You marry a shepherd's daughter and you assume the life of a shepherd and you're wandering through the desert like you have every day for the last 40 years and now there's a bush burning and the bush is not being consumed. I had a little episode last week. I was going to burn some boxes So I had a bunch of boxes and I had built me a little fire and I had some limbs in the yard and I was burning boxes and burning limbs. Beside the the fire was a dead tree. It's been a dead tree for 20 years. I've burned next to it for 20 years and last week it decided to catch fire. I had a burning tree and my concern was not that the tree wouldn't go out. My concern was the tree was going to burn and then I was going to have a chimney, a torch, a flame of fire, a pillar of fire like like we had in the desert with the children of Israel. And I just wanted to burn a few boxes. I had stuff to do in the house. i got to get ready for Thanksgiving. No, I've got to go in the garage, get my chainsaw out, put gas in it, put oil in it, cut down a burning tree and cut it up and contain it so I don't burn down the woods. I saw smoke in that burning tree, and I said, that thing's going to catch on fire. A little bit later, smoke was coming out the top. I knew what was going to happen. Moses is walking through the desert. He sees a bush on fire. He says, "Uh, gather up the sheep. You know, this place is fixing to come ablaze, and nothing else catches. And he says, well, it'll burn out here in a minute. Maybe there's no need to worry. And he keeps looking at that bush and he keeps looking at that bush and he can't see what he needs to see from here. And he walks over there and when he gets to the burning bush, lo and behold, it talks. Take off your shoes, the place you're standing is holy ground. You see, Moses received a promise at that burning bush of something that God intended to carry out. Book of Hebrews chapter 11 verses 24 through 26 says By faith Moses when he was come to years refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season esteeming the the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt for he had respect unto recompense of reward Moses forsook all the blessings he had to identify with God's people and God's people didn't want him. But when he was in the desert with the banished brother-in-law, Midianites, the other kids of Abraham, not the kids of blessing, God appeared to him there and gave him a promise and spoke to him. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Has God ever spoken to you? You say, well, Brother Harold, I ain't never seen a burning bush. I didn't ask you if you saw a burning bush. I didn't ask you if you had sugar plum fairies dancing in your head. I didn't ask you if lightning flashed. I didn't ask you if you saw stars. I said, has God ever spoken to you? You say, well, Brother Harold, he's never audibly spoken to me. He's never thundered from heaven. He's never cried out. I'm asking you this. Has God ever said that you're a sinner and you need a Savior and Jesus Christ is your only hope and without Christ you will be eternally banished in a place called hell because you've rejected the sacrifice that God provided on your behalf? You see, as a young boy, God spoke to me. Oh, He didn't audibly speak to me. He didn't speak to me through a burning brush. He spoke to me through an old white headed preacher in a little Baptist church where I heard that Jesus Christ had made a ransom for my sin and that He died on the cross and that I was a sinner by birth and by choice. And at that point in time I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that my only hope was to repent of my sins, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, confess that to the whole church be baptized in the baptistry and identify with god's people because that's who i was god spoke to me not in an audible burning way but i heard the call of the lord and i responded in faith and repentance was gloriously saved brother Harold, how do you know that because i have a testimony of the individual promise We were discussing in Sunday school this morning, the burning bush. I think most of us agree that's when Moses got genuinely saved. Long before Moses got genuinely saved, God was working on him all along. I think if you look at Saul of Tarsus... You'll find that God was working on him all along. On the road to Damascus, he was struck blind. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And God said, It's Jesus whom thou persecutest. How long will you kick against the goads? He said, Saul, I've been poking you for a long time, son. I'm tired of poking. It's time for business. Friend, I didn't ask if God's been poking you. I'm asking, have you an individual promise of eternal life in Christ Jesus just as Moses had here? Have you the promise of eternal life? Have you answered the call? I've stood in the same pulpit for nearly 14 years and Sunday after Sunday proclaimed that Jesus Christ is indeed Savior and Lord and the only way to heaven. And I've invited you if you've been here during that time over and over and over to come to Christ. Have you came to Christ? Have you an individual promise? God made a promise to Aaron to use him to liberate the children of Israel. God made a promise to Moses to use him to liberate the children of Israel. God has made a promise to you if you're a child of God to save you from your sins, redeem you unto himself and he's gone to prepare a place for you that where he is, there you may be also. Is that promise true of you? Man, you need to decide this before you go home. This is better than the Chinese buffet and I love it down there. But this needs to be decided now. Have you been to the burning bush in your own life? Have you seen God is holy and you is sinful? There's another this and that taking place here. God spoke to them. God spoke to them in verse 26. Look at verse 27, the first part. These are they which spake to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. Here's the interesting thing, and this, may not, this is profound to me. It may take me a while to get it out, but I've got something I want to say here. Moses and Aaron were inseparable in their proclamation. What Moses said is what Aaron said. What Moses said is what God said. Now you say, well, Brother Harold, that's pretty obvious. God said, go tell Pharaoh, but don't worry, I've already talked to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's not going to do it. You go tell him anyways, and then I'm going to turn loose the frogs. You go tell him, then I'm going to turn loose the flies. You see, that's the opposite. I thought the flies would come first, and they would attract the frogs. But God sends the frogs first, and the flies later. And I bet somebody was like, boy, I wish we had some frogs to clean up on these flies. But the frogs are all gone. God said, you go tell him, but he's not going to listen, so I'm going to send him frogs. But Moses doesn't do the talking. Moses said, God, I'm not a good speaker. Kind of like Harold, I'm not a good reader. God said, I got somebody to read, son. Moses said, God, I'm not a good speaker. He said, how about your older brother Aaron? He won the debate contest in the county high school. He was an orator of orators. How about O Aaron? He's a talker. He run the phone bill up every month. How about O Aaron? We'll get him in there. Here's the interesting thing, and you may not see much in this, but I think there's something here. God said, Moses, verse 27, these are they which spake to Pharaoh. Verse 26, God spoke to them. Verse 27, they spoke to Pharaoh. You say, well, what are you driving at, preacher? I'm saying what God said is what they said. You don't get that today. Moses spoke through Aaron. God spoke to Moses. Aaron spoke to Pharaoh. Today, it's not that way. God has spoken through His Word. It's written down. Yeah, but I just believe in my heart that's not culturally applicable today. Doesn't matter, ma'am. He's already spoken. Yeah, but but Brother Harold, you don't understand what's going on. Uh, That was really poetry, not history. I'm sorry, sir. God's already spoken. Moses and Aaron were inseparable in their proclamation. What does that mean? What God said is what they said. What Moses said is what Aaron said. God gave Moses and Aaron complementing ministries in the same body of believers. Hold on to the back of your pew and don't run out here. He's doing that in the church today. He didn't call all of us to be the pastor. He didn't call all of us to be the deacons. He didn't call all of us to clean the toilets. You should have said amen right there. He gives us complementing ministries. We see this in the Old Testament. Moses is getting information from God. He's telling Aaron, Aaron's a public spokesman. In the church today, it's the same way. God's gifting this person to teach a class. He's given this person to work in the nursery. He's given to this person to do some other labor. This person is more evangelistic than the rest of us. This person is better at working with kids than the rest of us. He's uniquely gifted us. Paul says it this way, we are members of one body. Not everybody's the eyeball. Sometimes I think everybody wants to be the mouthpiece. Sometimes I don't think anybody wants to be the ears. Sometimes we have more hands than we have feet. The point I'm driving at here, is that you? Is this true of you? I'm talking about this and that, you see. Moses and Aaron have these complimenting ministries, but in churches we have complimenting ministries, but we're not known for getting along. We're known for arguing, are we not? Every town I've ever been in, if it had two Baptist churches, it seemed like number two came from number one. I get tickled at a town nearby, says uh, Alma over here, it says Alma Heights Baptist Church. New Heights Baptist Church. Greater Heights Baptist Church. They about two blocks apart, and they just go up the hill. Seems to me they should have went back together, and everybody known they had complementing ministries. See, I have a complementing ministry. I have to be reminded Joseph Allen is the pastor of Lee Creek. I'm a member here. I've got my own job to do, and it ain't to tell him how to do his. That's the way it works. God's gifted me to do another work of ministry. I've got my own thing going over here. Joseph, he knows, he's not, he's not telling me how to do this, but we compliment one another. When I need something, I call him, and when he needs something, he calls me. That's the way it should be. Is that true of you? Are you doing your part and supporting others and doing their part? Are you trying to do everybody's part? If I've been guilty of one thing wrong, I've been guilty of doing it all myself and saying, get out of the way, I'll do it better. Oh, I'm tired, but I don't want to wait on you to do it. That's my problem. Churches are known for their grumblings. We should be known for this right here, proclaiming what God has said. Let me ask you a question. Is what you say what God said? Do you say what God says or do you say what you want to say? You attend a church that says what God says. If What you're saying doesn't line up with God. You're not this. This is not you and you're not that. Are you inseparable from His word? Is what you're teaching, what you're advocating, what you're proclaiming, is that what's being taught and advocated and proclaimed in the Word? Here's another one. Are you inseparable from His people? Are you plugged into the church? Are you committed unto them? Are you a part of them? You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Yeah, you can be a sorry one and stay home. Moses and Aaron didn't have to do this. You say, oh yeah, they did, preacher. Then why is it that Moses and Aaron are supposed to do what the Lord said, but you don't have to? I'm here to tell you, Christians gather with Christians. And they don't just get together and sleep through a sermon, mumble through the music, flee fellowship. Christians commit themselves to other Christians. They are part of the body of Christ. They invest their life in the lives of others. They're uniquely joined together by a bond that is greater than blood because they're bound together by the blood of Christ, the perfect shed blood. We, have, we call each other brother and sister not because we're born in the same family but because we're born in the same family. Are you inseparable in your proclamation? Are you in a church that's proclaiming the truth? And I think you are. Are you a part of that church? A real part of that church? Are you plugged in? Are you fitting in? Have you found your place? Are you doing it? Sitting in the pew and listening to a preacher like me is a pretty low standard of being plugged in. I'll quit preaching. You sound like you've had enough already. Moses and Aaron were individuals of promise. Moses and Aaron were inseparable in the proclamation. Moses and Aaron were identifiable in their practice. Moses and Aaron were identifiable in their practice. I want you to look at the end of verse 27. So God spoke to them, verse 26. God spoke through them, verse 27. Notice this. They spoke to Egypt, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. And it says it a third time. These are that, Moses and Aaron. These are that, Moses and Aaron. Individuals of promise, inseparable in their proclamation. They're saying the same thing, but they're identified by who they are. They're identified by who they are. I ate Thanksgiving for a third time Saturday. You amateurs ought not try that. I went to uh, a member of the church that I'd been the interim for the last year. He'd invited us up to eat with his family. I said, well, we got a family to eat with. He said, I know, but you're like family to us. So we went up there and ate with them. And so I'm sitting down with a family that I know and I know some of his kids that I've met through, you know, church ministry there. Well, in comes his sister and his other sister and his third sister and his other brother and all their kids and their nieces and their nephews. And so we're sitting here and I'm being introduced to all these people and and I don't know any of them, you know. And I'm trying to be polite and carry on make small talk and whatnot. You know, I don't want to be there and be the guy that doesn't talk to anybody. I'm a Christian. So... I start talking to this daughter of his, and she says, yeah, my better half is Dusty Post. I said, oh, I know Dusty Post. She said, no, 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 there's a couple of Dusty Post. And I said, does Dusty Post is dad the golf pro? And she goes, you do know my better half. You see, this Dusty Post, be that Dusty Post, whose dad is the golf pro. I said, I know him, he's five years younger than me in school. identified by his practice now I'm talking about this and that remember we're just talking about this and that Joseph said well you going to preach on while I'm gone and I can understand he'd be a little nervous I said oh Joseph I'm just going to talk about this and that what is it that identifies you as a Christian Is this what identifies you as a Christian? You came to church. The Mormons all came to church this morning as well. The Jehovah's Witness all came to church this morning. Is this what identifies you as a Christian? That you came here? Why does it say it again at the end of verse 27? This be that Moses and Aaron. I want to make something, I want to point something out here. If you go back and you look at verse 26, it says, these are that Aaron and Moses. Aaron's first, he's born first. first firstborn. These be they, they're grouped together because they're inseparable in what they have to say in their ministry and their service to the Lord. Then at the end of verse 27, Exodus 6 here, it says, These are that, reverse of order, Moses and Aaron. Why is Moses now number one and Aaron number two? Because being identified by your practice has nothing to do with your birth. It has to do with your performance. Was Moses the greater of the two? You can nod your head up and down. I won't call you Pentecostal. Come on. Was Moses greater than Aaron as far as recognition? Huh? Did they not call it? Was it Moses that got the Ten Commandments or Aaron? Was it Moses that went on Mount Sinai or was it Aaron? Was it Moses that saw the burning bush or was it Aaron? Was it Moses that led the children out or was it Aaron? It was Moses that God came to and chose to do all this great work. It was Moses that had the greater ministry. It was Moses that wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. Moses is listed first because Moses now is being identified by his practice. He's not being identified by his birth. They were known for their accomplishments. How did they spend their time? What did they do? Friend, when I look at the end of verse 27, it gives me hope. Moses and Aaron were distinguished from everybody else. There's a time here, friend, where nobody liked Moses and Aaron. Remember that? Hey, look, we just want to make bricks. Will you shut up? Now they won't give us straw. We got to go get our own straw and still make the same number of bricks. Because we didn't get our own straw and make the same number of bricks, they beat all the leaders. So why don't you two shut up and go back home? And I'm going to tell you what, if they'd signed up for this, they probably would have. But they didn't sign up, they got drafted. God called them to something. They couldn't speak. Jeremiah said, I'm tired of preaching. This stuff don't pay. But he had a fire in his bones and he couldn't shut up. He had a burning in his belly that he had to get out. It was God who had a plan for him. They said, Moses, Aaron, shut up. Go back to the wilderness. Aaron, follow him. Take your family and go. Go back to keeping sheep. So they liberate him. I bet when they came through that Red Sea, they put Moses and Aaron on their shoulders and carried them around the camp. Yeah, about three days later, they said, hey, we want to go back and eat fish and garlic in Egypt. We're tired of this. God sends angel food cake from heaven. That's the Harold Smith paraphrase version. Manna from heaven. We're tired of of heaven-baked bread. God sends them quail knee-deep till it stinks. Their clothes don't wear out. Stars. If You've ever raised kids? Their clothes don't wear out. The cloud shelters them from the sun. The, the fire lights up the streets of their camp at night. Water comes out of a rock. Bitter water has turned sweet. God fights their battles for them. He drives out their enemies with hornets. And they still want to overthrow Moses and Aaron. They still want their own preacher. What identified Moses and Aaron, their practice, they didn't quit. I can identify a lot of people who have came to church here over the years by the fact that they quit. You remember so-and-so? I don't remember that. Yeah, you do. The ones that left. Oh, yeah. You know, sister, So I don't know her. Yeah, you do. The one that's always got the mean look on her face. Oh, that lady. I can identify them by their practice. You know that sweet lady that always sends you a card every time you're sick and you miss church? Yes, yes. You know that person that's always checking on you when you're, when you're down in the dumps? Yes, yes. Moses and Aaron were identified by their practice. What distinguishes you from everyone else? I talked about people in the first part of this that had an individual promise upon them that they met God, that God had called them out of a life of sin and granted unto them faith and repentance and made them a new creature in Christ Jesus. And everybody in here smiled and said, Amen, Brother Harold, that's good preaching. And then I talked about some people who were inseparable in their proclamation. What God said, they said. And they believed what God said. And then I talked about them all having this complimentary ministry where everybody has their own responsibilities in the church. And it got real quiet. So quiet that I went ahead and jumped to my third point. And now here I am in my third point and I'm talking about being identified as a Christian by the way you minister as a Christian. And I can hear a cricket in the men's bathroom. I didn't come here to make friends. I came here to preach. I'm hoping that things change for the better. You're up here preaching and you're not hoping that things change. You're just giving a book report. What distinguished... Moses and Aaron from everyone else. They didn't quit. They did what God told them to do. They preached what God said. What distinguishes you from everyone else? What does the world look at you and see on the job? Maybe you don't want to talk about church. Let's talk about work. What is it at work that says, Oh, we can't say that joke. He's here. We can't put this picture up. It'll offend him or her. What is it about you, friend, that the world looks at and says, Oh, that person. What is your practice? I said this verse gives me hope. This little phrase gives me hope that Moses, who was the younger, became the greater. And I said that your birth does not hinder who you can become, Jesus Christ. What does that mean? You can be born poor. has no bearing on your service to Jesus Christ. Your birth has no bearing on your behavior. My kids could probably say, I'm this way because my dad. Your birth has no bearing on your behavior. Now, we want to do that, don't we? Well, I grew up in, in and I was a preacher's son. My, my son and my daughter could say that. They could fault me for a lot of things. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, we're not going off our old birth, we're going off our new birth. Except you be born again, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. So now that we're talking about a new birth, now that we're talking about going by a burning bush, now that we're talking about learning that God is holy, now that we're talking about being a new creature in Christ Jesus, now that we have a new mission on earth and we're no longer number one, God's not our co-pilot. He's the pilot. You're in the wrong seat, sir. We're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Listen. Listen. Our new birth has all kinds of bearing on who we are. You grew up poor, I don't care. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. I I grew up rich, I don't care. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Well, I, I grew up with bad parents. My mom and dad was an alcoholic. I don't care. My dad was a deacon. Here's what I'm saying. It don't matter who your physical birth was because if you've been born again, you have a new lease on life. Moses was born at a time where being born a Hebrew boy was illegal. He went to the, to the river Nile and was hid out there, raised up in Pharaoh's house. He grew up poor, he grew up illegal, and he grew up rich. And he grew up an outlaw, banished from Egypt, hiding in a desert. None of that mattered once he encountered the burning bush. Quit telling me about how you grew up and what you've been through. I don't care. Oh, Brother Harold, you just don't know what I've been through. I know where I'm going. Brother Harold, you just don't know what it was like to grow up this way. I don't care. This right here, my entire life is this much of eternity. Friend, I'm looking for another city whose builder and maker is God. I'm not interested in this right here. Christian, dry it up. I don't have to come back and preach next Sunday. I can say what I really feel today. Dry it up. Quit blaming everybody else. Get to work. We got a job to do. Our time is short. The night is coming when no man can work. We've got to get busy. I kind of get the feeling sometimes that the Christian today is too busy with this and that to be concerned about this and that. What's your practice? I don't mean get up at 10.30 and come to church on Sunday. I mean, what's your practice on Monday? What's your language looks like on Monday morning at the water cooler? What's your boss on the line say about you Tuesday afternoon? What do you and your friends do Friday? How do you spend your time on Saturday? You may be tempted to be vague with me and go, Preach, I just do a little this and that. Is this and that vague, or is this and that exclusive? Let me close my message this way. Is that you? Do you have the promise of eternal life? Are you a Christian? don't, Don't give me that line out of the country song, You and Jesus Have Your Own Thing Going. Are you a Christian? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I never find sinners anymore. Everybody I talk to is a Christian. I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Preacher, pray for my mom. She's dying. Is she a Christian? Oh, yeah, she's a Christian. Where does she go to church at? She don't. She pray? No, she don't pray. She read her Bible? No, she don't. read. her Bible. She's she not a Christian. Christians do those things. They don't make you a Christian. That's the symptoms of Christianity. I don't go home and and get get a fever and a cough and come down with a flu. I come down with a flu and it shows up with a fever and a cough. Is that you? Do you have the promise of eternal life? Have you been to a burning bush in your own life? And if you have, did you leave there and do what you're supposed to do? First step of identifying with Jesus Christ is to be baptized. Friend, I really don't understand why I encounter so many Christians that don't want to be baptized. There was one person in the entire world that didn't need to be baptized and he got baptized anyway. Remember Jesus waiting out in the water? They got that baptismal line. John's a dunking them and raising them up and he turns around and behold the Lamb of God's next in line. John said, friend, you need to be baptizing me. Jesus said, No, suffer it anyways. Why did Jesus suffer it? Why did John suffer it? And why do you think you're suffering to do it? You're not. You're not. I was but a boy when I was baptized, but it wasn't any debate for me. That's what God's people did, and I was one of them. Is that you? Is that you? Are you united with others in Christ in a church? Still dating? Look, don't make no hurry. Don't jump in. Don't make no rash decisions. Take your time. Figure out where you're supposed to be and then get there. Every church ain't the same. You don't just throw a dart, at, you just don't throw a dart at a board, in whichever church it strikes, that's where you go. You pick a church that's proclaiming the same thing the Word of God says. And if you can't find that, keep looking till you do. But if you've found that, let me ask you a question. What's your problem? What are you holding out on? Moses and Aaron were inseparable. What God said is what they said, and there was no division among them. You say, Preacher, I'm plugged into the church. Amen. Are you proclaiming the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because those of us that are in the church wasn't called here and put here to be silent. We's called here and given a message. We're to preach the gospel to every creature. You doing that? Oh, Brother Harold, I'm not very good with words. I'm not a good reader, but I found a way around that. What about you? tracks are already written and they read it to themselves. You giving out any of those? Get online and put it on Facebook. You don't even have to ask for an amen or none of that. Or share or like or subscribe. Just say Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. He died to redeem me from my sins and I believe in him and you should too. Evangelism. Is that you? Individuals of promise and separable and proclamation identified in their practice. Is that you? Do others know that you serve Christ by your actions? What's your practice? The first thing we looked at, God spoke to them. Verse 26, God spoke to Moses. And then God spoke to Aaron. Verse 27, the first part, God spoke through Moses and God spoke through Aaron. And then at the end of verse 27, God spoke not to them or through them, but of them. These be that Moses and Aaron. God identified them. Here's the real thing that we need to get by Has God spoken to you and is God speaking through you? And then here's the real test. Does God speak of you? Does he know you? I'll close with this thought, and Ron can come lead us in a hymn, and we'll wrap up. Don't get so busy with this and that that you lose your Christian identity. Little league balls, good. I like it. Don't get so busy with that, you lose your Christianity. College football, I guess, is okay. Don't get so busy with that you lose your Christianity. Your job, your means of supporting your family is of the utmost importance, but don't get so busy with this and that that you lose sight of your Christianity. I don't get to preach here every Sunday. I have to be very frank with you in one Sunday. I don't say this to make you mad. I don't say this to shame you or belittle you. I say this to better you. If you understand the promise that God has given you in Christ Jesus, you need to show that by your profession of faith, which is your baptism. I say this for your betterment. If you know the Word of God, you ought to be proclaiming it. You ought to be inseparable in your proclamation. You ought to find a church that believes it. You ought to be shouting it from the rooftops. We live in a dark, dying world. They ain't getting this from the Shriners Club or the Masons Lodge. They only get this from the church. And we're sitting on our hands. If you're a Christian, I say this for your betterment. You need to live out that Christianity so the world sees it and knows there's a difference other than the hypocrites that are the point of all their jokes. Don't get so busy with this and that that you lose your Christianity. Let's stand. Ron, you can close us in a hymn.